0: Alright, we're back on the fan morning show. Sports on 590 the fan. Toronto Raptors play at home finally after the longest road trip of all time. It was completed on the West Coast. It wasn't seven too games. Bad. Well, it was their longest in about 15 really? years. Really? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem like crazy. Seven well, it was about games.
0: two weeks. It's a nice little two. They were two out week there for John. a while.
1: It's nice to get away.
0: They're home here for Especially the when next the noise co- is what it is oh, yeah. here. Still followed them over there, though. Got on the plane. The noise was there in the arenas.
1: Sure, they had the Sportsnet app open, listening to us live in the morning. This Probably be on the West Coast.
0: Yeah. Ooh, that'd be pretty early for them.
1: Well, they want to know the takes.
0: The Raptors are at. back home for a while. They are ten and a half point favorites tonight. Hello. What a way to come back home against the Spurs tonight. But a guy that traveled far and wide to cover this team. For the last two weeks, packed his life up into a tiny suitcase. Is Michael Grange, sportsnet NBA columnist and insider? How's it going, Grange?
2: How's it going, English? How are you?
0: Um, I need to know immediately how you pack so efficiently. Like, what goes into the thought process? I saw your Twitter post yesterday of your small suitcase that just did it all for you for two weeks.
2: You know the uh, it's like uh, it's like a four day trip. You do three and a half times.
0: You get that's laundry on doing. the road. I don't really
2: want to. Uh, yeah, yeah. okay you got to do the okay. laundry on the road. Okay, you got to do the laundry on the road. That's essential, and uh, yeah, so that's the key. So that's the only. That's the only thing is if you don't have to have a hotel with laundry or whatever, you can run into a bit of trouble. But but yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, it was the alternative was uh, you know depending on people to uh, you know handle your luggage and Ugh, get it to where you need to be. Never and, find it exactly. So. <laughs>
1: so So long long road trip a weird road trip too uh on a scale of one to the weirdest uh in raptors history where does that one rank
2: Uh, probably not all that high (laughs) like i guess in some respects it was pretty there was a certain kind of like intensity to it um you know just because as they were making their way through the west like each of the cities they stopped at, you're like, yeah, I could see the Raptors doing a trade with this team. I could see the Raptors doing a trade with this team. And, you know, you're in Phoenix and uh, Sacramento, Golden State, Portland, and uh, Salt Lake City. And so, you know, all of them, you can kind of make your case. And, and uh, there was a lot of uh, player personnel, pro player personnel people and GMs and, and uh, you know, around all the time. And so there's, you could sort of see all kinds of, sock bubbles forming over everybody's heads. Maybe that was my imagination, but I think it was real. And, um, yeah, so you're kind of on high alert. And, and, I mean, it was the longest trip they've done, I think, in 26 years. Like, they had one in 07-08, but it was uh, it was split up by Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I think there was another one that was the same number of games, but they started in the East and finished in the East. So I, I, I'm kind of thinking they probably flew in and out for each of those two. But to leave and play some games and all of them, uh, you know, be be out on the road for was, you know, that was different too. So it was uh, it was kind of a neat experience. But you know, we get back and it feels like uh, things are just getting weirder still.
0: (laughs) So to wrap up that road trip, um, there was a little bit of, I think some joy, maybe some positivity to um, find from the players. I mean, Scotty Barnes had a a smile, which was nice. Do you, do you think the guys start play, start playing for each other when they know that the trade deadlines around the corner, this could be part of their last dance together? Or was it just truly like, Hey, we won a couple of games. Like this makes us happy.
2: I think probably 50, 50, um, you know, I think all season this team has struggled to find a good chemistry. And, and, you know, I don't say that so it's interpreted as that they're at each other's throats. I really don't think that's the case. I, I think it's much more just um, kind of an unsettled element that, that they've been sort of try, trying to get settled. And, and I would say the last month or so, um, there's been more of that. And on that trip, I think there was enough moments where you could point to and go, wow, I mean, you know, when you guys really bring it and, they, they, and they're kind of all pulling on the same rope at the same time, they can be pretty effective. And and they're looking for that. I mean, there was, you'd hear this from Fred, you would hear it from, from Nick, you would hear it from some other guys, just that, you know, they, wow, you know, they feel like they've kind of unlocked something. But <laughs> you sort of look at the raw numbers and, who they beat and how they beat them. And you're kind of like, really? Are we sure about that? Um, you know, because I think defensively, there was, there was a lot of conversation about them playing better defensively. And, you know, they certainly had one outstanding game. I mean, against Sacramento, that's probably the best they've played all season. Um, but, and there were some other stretches. I mean, the fourth quarter in Memphis would be another one. But, but the, you know, you look at the numbers and they were kind of allowing, I think just, I think they were like 20th, before they went on you know in the games before they went on that trip and over the seven games they were on the trip they were 19th in defensive rating so it's it's i think people want to believe a little bit more than than what's actually happening um you know so so i i, I think like i said i think people want and people on the team people around the team want things to be happening but i'm not 100% convinced they are
1: Uh, The thought bubbles didn't stay on the West Coast. I think they were probably pretty prevalent yesterday at practice when uh, Siakam spoke with the media, then had a little chat with Masai Ujiri. I I feel like, you know, we don't know the fly in the wall. We don't know the nature of the conversation. We don't know what's being discussed. And we really don't know where Siakam stands. But I guess in your opinion, how stable is the ground with which Pascal
2: Siakam walks when it comes
1: to the Toronto Raptors?
2: I would be pretty shocked if he was, like, pretty, like, let's say very shocked (laughs) if he were traded between now and, tomorrow um you know i think that there is some examination going as to and a lot of times all these discussions that happen now end up kind of getting shelved and they get revisited in the off season but so there's certainly a lot of examination going on to as to you know where this team goes long term but i i think again i'd be pretty shocked just very shocked if if he were to be traded tomorrow and that whole scene you know I kind of took on a life of its own on social media, um, which is why I should probably never tweet. But what was just interesting about it was we talked with Pascal and he says, look, I don't and he's very consistent on this. Like he really gives the impression that, you know, he kind of keeps the blinders on and he he's very concerned about his own performance. He's very concerned about the team's performance and then everything else he pays no attention to. And uh, he said this and demonstrated this enough times. I actually believe him. Uh, but literally after he left, stopped, you know, finished speaking with us, he's walking across the floor and, and Masai, a jury kind of popped out of, they had this little conference room adjacent to the practice court and he popped out and he greeted him and he got a motioned for him to come in here. And, uh, you know, I think the way people interpreted that, it was like, oh, now he's, you know, something's happening. But I think <laughs> it, was, it was, to me, just the contrast of, he says, I don't know what's going on. And then, you know, Masai, I think, made an effort to bring him in and just given the circumstances of everything going on, I wouldn't have been surprised if, you know, what's happening is, is, was part of the conversation. And the conversation could be as simple as nothing's happening. Don't worry about it. But, um, you know, but as you guys point out, it could be anything. <laughs> it could be, I was visiting your mom in Houston. And I was, you know, yeah. was the rest of the trip, how are your legs could be a hundred things, but it was interesting that he, you know, Missy made the effort to bring him into the room versus just kind of stay on the floor and chit chat, which they would do somewhat regularly.
0: Oh, to be a fly on the wall in that room, eh? Just uh, yeah, you should time. bug the uh, the the hallways there and get a little insider information, Grange. Come on,
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's uh
1: yeah, it's not a bad idea. I, <laughs> I can see some credentials being revoked. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's that. all right. It'd be worth it. Um okay, so it seems like um Pascal moving would be definitely quite shocking, but um the conversations online and, and with the people that are in the know seem to say that Fred would be the most realistic at this at this moment to be uh traded. We saw him kind of circled around names on Monday with that deal being held up with Spencer Dinwiddie, kind of, uh, oh, there might be a third team involved. It could be Fred. Um, what were your thoughts on the idea that he was involved or possibly involved with that? And would that have been, uh, you know, a close enough deal that the Raptors should have been interested for if Fred VanVleet is going to be the guy that is a, is moved from this roster?
2: Yeah, I don't know about the, um, you know, the the Brooklyn angle i just think that as you kind of go down the list of teams um there's a lot of teams with really big goals that probably could use some point guard help and you know we know what they are you know the clippers are one uh you know the lakers are probably another and you can kind of keep going on down that list and and so I, th- I think that's why Fred's getting mentioned a lot. He's also maybe a little bit easier trade to manufacture because the draft pick compensation wouldn't be quite as high um, as, as for example, Pascal Siakamore or OG Ananobi. And, you know, and I think that's why there's some thought that uh, if those guys were to be put in trades, it might not be until um, the off season because that's when more teams have more picks available to trade um you know and i think there's there's just a a sense of of you know fred's i think pretty determined on his value and you know is is that value available to him here in toronto i mean that's a, a calculation that you know the raptors are always pretty good at making and um, but the flip side of that too is fred's a pretty determined guy and if he's not feeling like um You know, there's an opportunity here. Maybe he'd be open to be traded, but I would say overall, um, it's kind of interesting because on one level, you know, you're always betting against the chances of trades happening. (laughs) But on the other side, is you kind of look at the names, the contracts, the situation, and it would be and the, the the discussion, and it would be hard to imagine nothing happening for the Raptors between now and. And Thursday Um, is Fred the guy. Um, There's good reasons why it could be. I think OG Ananobi, I've always thought might be more likely to be the the guy to be traded just because he's he's at such a high value right now. And he's so easily easy to slot on so many teams. But, um, you know, I think if one thing Masai and Bobby have shown is they're willing to go right to the last minute to make sure they they believe they're getting the best the best deal possible. Uh,
1: unrelated to Siakam, the the fly on the wall or the bugged boardroom would be appealing because I, I, I feel like it would be pretty fascinating to know some truths uh, between Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri right now because, you know, oh, we talked to Bobby Webster before this season and admittedly, it's the first time I've talked to either Bobby Webster or Masai Ujiri and the only thing that I felt like was real was they wanted to see progression and of course, we've seen uh, regression. Uh, I don't think we'll ever really get these truths but how do you think the realities facing those two conflict with the expectations like is this jarring is this majorly surprising are they really really surprised shocked whatever to be in the position that they're in right now which is preparing potentially to sell before the trade deadline
2: Uh, i wouldn't go so far as shocked but i think their expectations were more in line with you know the public's expectations i i think um they were aware that you know there could be a this would kind of potentially be a high variance team in other words you know there would be some lows it's a young team you know it doesn't have a ton of depth especially in terms of shooting and you know it's not a perfectly constructed roster but I I think that they were optimistic that the highs would be pretty high and there would be more stretches like they had at the end of last season where they could just kind of string wins together and and steal games and, and do all that kind of thing and be a be a really tough team to play against and for whatever reason, that hasn't really happened. And um, so I don't – so I think they are a little surprised. I, I thought that they – you know, I, I, I think they also felt like they, um, you know, they were giving this experiment or this iteration of the team a chance to prove itself and to show itself, and – um you know, so just in saying that they it wasn't like they were hundred percent sold on everything that could happen. But um, you know, I, I think they would have been more likely to assume the best would have happened than I'm not saying this is the worst, but you know, this kind of result that they they've kind of put together for most of this year.
1: Another part of the organization is tested in like the confidentiality part of things and the Raptors have always been like this leakless organization, right? Like you can't get information out of the Raptors. And I feel like maybe some of the misdirection, some of the intrigue, maybe some of the frustration is we actually don't know what's going on and what Bobby and Masai are thinking or preparing leading up to the trade deadline. Um, so, you know, w- what they've sort of not touted, but what they've had is that leakless organization that makes sure uh, information stays in house. Um, and when you see all the reports, Is it safe to assume they're still functioning like that leakless organization? Like, how do you think they've, I guess, stood up to that test where everyone wants to know what's going on with the Raptors and they're obviously trying to keep things close to their best?
2: Well, I mean, they've got to talk to somebody, right? (laughs) You know, so, you know, it's the way these things usually happen, it's very rarely, you know, an executive from one team picking up the phone or answering a call and talking to, you know, Whatever media member you want to talk about, and saying, Look, this is what we're thinking. <laughs> you know, and in most instances, when they're doing that, it's, it's a little bit strategic. They're trying to either drive up some value or maybe misdirect a little bit. And even that stuff, I think, happens a little less than most people think. Um, but what is more common is, um, you know, agents sort of need to be consulted and. Uh, various executives with various teams need to be consulted, and these conversations happen over long periods. And so sometimes, you know, what you're hearing is, you know, a snippet or a version or interpretation of something that happened weeks ago. Um, so yeah, so I don't think that that you know the Raptors have all of a sudden started kind of you know seeding the public with 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 rumors. I just think that. Uh, you know they are undoubtedly, and and I can say factually, talking to a ton of teams, and you know through those conversations, some stuff does probably get uh, get you know disseminated out there, and doesn't necessarily mean it's them doing it.
0: So Masai has never had to go through a full-on rebuild before. Um, is that a challenge that you think? he wants to take, and is this decision and this trade deadline, I guess, the toughest moment yet in Raptors' recent history?
2: Um, I think he would prefer, just like any exactly would probably prefer, to avoid it, just because once you kind of really sort of pivot away from, you know, trying to win actively, then you're kind of all sorts of variables creep into them. The equation, and sometimes it can go incredibly well. And we all probably think of examples where, you know, the right picks get made, and the right trades get made, and the timing is good, and you know, in a pretty short order, you go from misery to, you know, some really exciting situations. And I, you know, Oklahoma City would be one. Orlando would be another. Um, You know, you know, even you can kind of talk yourself into that. But the decision to do it is organizational wide. It has to go to ownership because there is an impact. Sometimes it can go wrong, and uh, you know it can kind of last for a lot longer. I would say if if anyone is prepared to go down that road, you know you need to have committed ownership. You need to have a really high quality um, front office that's on the same page. They need to be confident that they can take some of those risks and uh, last so they can think long-term, they don't have to kind of panic and, and kind of abort the mission before it's ready. So, you know, would they want to do it? No, I don't think they want to do it. I think they want to try and win one of these trades if they're going to make them and, and kind of skip a step or two. But if it's not possible, then I this should be an organization in front of our front office that's perfectly positioned to to go through a rebuild like that.
1: I think the one thing we've seen this season is the Raptors' culture, which they've built and cultivated and protected and, you know, they've really used to separate themselves from other organizations. It has been tested this year for sure, but I feel like a full scorched earth rebuild would really, really, really test Raptors' culture. Should that be something fans are concerned about?
2: Um, Well, it would test Raptors' culture because, you know, a lot of the people who, you know, are kind of the signature... People within that culture probably wouldn't be here, and but again, that goes back to the confidence you have in your organization, and and you're drafting the right people, you're surrounding them with the right coaching staff, you're, um, you know, the the tone set from the leadership is on point, and you can do it. I mean, it, it and and I think it wouldn't take much for uh, the fan base here to kind of recognize. If and when things are going in the right direction. And so, you know, if, you know, I'm not saying this is happening. I, I really don't think it is happening. But if they were to suddenly pivot Friday morning and go, okay, we're trying to lose as many of the next 28 games or 27 games as we possibly can. And, you know, and in that process, you know, because they've made a trade or two, they've added another potential lottery pick. And a couple of good young players, and then they go into what is a really good draft, maybe one through ten, with multiple chances at the top two picks, and you know another chance or two at at um, you know some really good players beyond the top two that we talk about so often. I think people could get excited about that pretty quickly, and and I think the opposite is also a little bit true. Like if nothing really happens, and this ends up being. You know, an 11th, 10th, 9th place team that either doesn't make the plan and drafts at the bottom of the lottery or makes the play-in and, um, you know, loses in a quick game and, and, and you know, they haven't really managed uh, their assets very well and you lose a player like Gary Trent or Fred Grant leading free agent with no free agency with no return. I mean, people are going to pick up on that too and go, wait a second. These are, you know, maybe the, you know, the decisions weren't bold enough. Maybe they miscalculated and, and that, I think, is, is equally as much a risk when you kind of go into a season with neither much hope of winning or much hope of, a kind, of uh, kind of rebounding from, from a couple of tough years.
0: All right, Grange, before we let you go, um, obviously last night, big night for LeBron James and Co and the conversation about his legacy. Um, We talked about at the top of the show here what our favorite LeBron James eras were. You know, the the Cavs, the Heat, going back to the Cavs, and then now Hollywood LeBron. For you, what is the most, I guess, favorite or memorable uh, LeBron James era?
2: Um, That's a great question. I mean, I think, you know, I was really lucky and covered the Cavs come back from 3-1 and win in 2016. And that was just, you know, you you kind of see that happening before your eyes when they're down 3-1 and, and how he played in the next three games, games 4, 5, and 6, four, five, whatever the number is, 5, 6, and 7. And, you know, you go back and look at those and you're like, you just can't believe anyone played basketball that well under that much pressure. So that's certainly one. And I guess I think his second year, second and third years in Miami, um, when he really was surrounded by a great team and really kind of—I don't want to say accepted, but um, was really enthusiastic about about playing a really high-efficiency brand of basketball appropriate for the level of talent he was around—and um, you know, I could you could kind of make a case that those two seasons he won MVP in both. Has anyone played basketball much better than that? I mean, the list is pretty short, so. Uh, those are the two things that jump to mind for sure. Yeah,
0: fun to reflect on that. He's still got uh, an interesting trade deadline himself ahead with what the team's going to do to maybe bolster his opportunity to keep going because he's looking like he wants to keep winning and he wants to keep being in the limelight. So we'll see what happens with Lakers, with Raptors, um, and it all starts hopefully today, Grange. We're waiting for something. So appreciate you joining us. I know it's a busy day, um, busy week for you. So thanks so much.
2: Thanks, guys. Take care.
0: Michael Grange sports on NBA colonist and insider. The Raptors play the Lakers in L.A. on March 10th. Get to see it head to head. LeBron got a team around him or if he's just.
1: Wonder what the incentive will be like for LeBron James that Modi
0: night. Moody tweeting. We'll find <laughs> out. Moody
1: tweeting. Uh, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very intrigued at the Maasai Bobby next step situation. Like Maasai's always going to be a legend in the city. He brought the one championship that we have consciously in our memories Mm -hmm. to this city with the trade that was probably most impactful, you know, in we're talking about our era, athletes of our lifetime since 2010. It can't be bigger than the Kawhi Leonard deal. But you can prove how legendary you are if you can build it back again and you could not take the remnants of something previously, add to it to put it over the top. I'd like to see Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster put their stamp on this franchise one more time. With a successful rebuild, set them on the right direction once more.
0: Well, it's quiet right now. Not sure which way the winds are blowing. We have lots of time to find out, but the clock is ticking, so let's do something already, okay, folks? Everyone's up now. It's 8.30. It's time. Come it, get the t- party no, the started. The way it's
1: going to work for us, 9 o'clock tomorrow, trade. That's right. <laughs> then maybe a couple more, and everyone will be able to pick at it before us. hmm We'll be a little frustrated, well, but at least we'll have something to talk about.
0: What a week for sports this weekend, obviously the Super Bowl on Sunday. We've got lots going on. we got lots of tea up the next couple of days here. And to celebrate the Super Bowl, Pro Line Plus is teaming up with Real Sports to take the viewing experience to the next level. We're helping give away tickets to bring you and up to seven friends. I don't even have seven Hello. friends. Up to seven friends to Real Sports to watch the biggest football game of the year, including prime seating and a pro-line prize pack with food and beverages. Okay. Oh, my, this is amazing. All you have to do is tune into the episode of the Fan Morning Show today and tomorrow, listen for the code word, and text it into five ninety five ninety 590-590 to be entered for a chance to win. Today's code word, super easy, it's Real Sports. Text Real Sports to 59590 to enter. One more code word tomorrow. You must be nineteen years of age to enter. And details are at sportsnet.ca slash five ninety. That's tickets for up to seven of your friends and yourself to go to Real Sports to watch the Super Bowl on Sunday with a ProLine prize pack.
1: So essentially we, in conjunction with ProLine Plus, are giving away a fully paid for Super Bowl party it's with a massive pretty amazing, screens. actually. That's pretty good. If you want, you know, we, we give a lot of good, good this stuff is, away this on the show. This might be our best. Lately, we are just firing things off. But this is really good. So get those get those code words in. If you have no plans on Sunday, Ailish, uh, that's you're what still looking Yesterday for plans. Yesterday,
0: I said on the air, I have no plans for get Super Bowl Sunday. Your, get
1: one of your seven friends like, to put the code word
0: in. I don't have seven. I'm going to have to find seven real quick. Seven different phone numbers can text in for me for, pro, for real sports. But yesterday on the air, I said oh, I don't have any plans for Bills on Sunday, and then all of a sudden, we wake up and you know Proline Plus is giving away viewing experiences for Sunday,
1: like the perfect viewing experience too. It
0: is. <clears throat> any of those floating around? Would you're you, you rather have? You to make going friends. have
1: to make <laughs> some friends <laughs> here. Wait, no, no, we're not comparing. Not not comparing <laughs> I the giveaways. You just need to find. Uh, oh, wait, we know you're going to be. This is awesome. At that concert. But you might need one of your friends to win this to be at. I know,
0: so I think my mom listens. Mom, send it real sports <laughs> <laughs> 590, 590. Uh Yeah, so must be nineteen years of age to enter. Details at sportsnet.ca slash five ninety if you want to take a look. But today we have an option to win, and tomorrow. So best of luck to you all, Real Sports. Uh, we're gonna take a break because we have the Wake and Rake on the other side. We do have a Toronto sporting event to set up Raptors and the Spurs back home could be the last time that we see this iteration of the Toronto Raptors put on their jerseys on home court. Maybe we make a little maybe farewell parlay. I got my picks from that game. Okay, One I last love ride. this. We've got the prop sheet. We've got ESPN straw poll. Just a quick little nugget. Oh, very fun. And we have your anchor picks at 59590. 590. Send those in. We'll get through all of that set up a wake and rake parlay on Wednesday. Thanks. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day.
1: The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin.
0: All right, it's Wednesday. I was the weakest link last night in the Wake and Rake parlay. Even though Bo Horvat scored, he failed to go over his two and a half shots. And he was at two shots like
1: halfway, halfway, through, halfway the game.
0: through the game. So I thought, oh, lock.
1: That was uh, We've had some heartbreaking ones. A half shot. I think we've had a few half shot losses. I hate that. It's rough. Put the
0: puck on the net. Bo Horvat, though, gets his first goal. Just trying to you know, at you home. score your
1: goal. And then it's like, yeah, hey, I'm going to play defensively yeah, for the Yeah, nobody of the game. wants
0: to watch you play defensively, Bo Horvat. But it was nice. It was good to see that big night for anyone named Bo. Mm-hmm. The two Bo's that I know. Yeah.
1: You know, making news. Well, I don't know don't any, know I'm any I'm other I'm trying to bows? think of any other Bo bows. Levi Mitchell.
0: Okay, well, I don't think he was up to much last night. Bo Jackson. Also not up to much last night. Uh, I don't know any other ones. Yeah, well, the two Bo's... That we speak about most. News, Had some news. news last night, um, but not enough to get us the win for the wake and rake. Uh, my apologies. I did my best. Um, but let's uh, let's put one together today.
1: And I think we gotta focus on the Raptors because uh, well, I mean, you can go any direction you want, but there are only two NHL games tonight. Uh, and the Raptors, I don't know, I think we're feeling like a little narrative action here. One last ride. Maybe it turns out to be the whole Kyle Lowry thing where you say goodbye and then mm-hmm. you're there the next day and the rest of the days. It's always awkward, season. like, hey, set up. I'm kind of feeling that same thing that could end up being the exact same outcome, but I feel like a point guard might have a nice farewell. Mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet has been really, really good of late. He's had really, really strong scoring nights. He's also been rebounding the, the basketball to a pretty reasonable degree. So I'm going to combine points and rebounds. 26 and a half. I'm taking the over. If he gets there, which is points, great. If he needs 10 rebounds, well, maybe there's a possibility he gets those 10 rebounds. I think a big Fred Knight, maybe the last dance at Scotiabank Arena for Freddie will be a productive one. I'm so, going over 26 and a half. Combined points and rebounds. Minus 120. Fred Van Vliet.
0: Points and rebounds. Yeah. Okay. I'm um, just trying to find that little one. Um, so I'm seeing points, assists, and rebounds, but you don't want that.
1: I don't want to include the assist. Okay,
0: and so what was the number again? Points and rebounds.
1: Points and rebounds, twenty six and a half. Where I saw it, it's minus one twenty. You can put a placeholder in if you need. Because I'm
0: seeing his points just at twenty four and a half.
1: Exactly. I think uh, playing both will help you out a little bit.
0: Okay, so Freddie points and rebounds is a, a good one. He's got a. He's also been escalating his trade value as of late. Has he not been?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess. And this is his final I guess one statement. of the concerns might be hey, there's a deal in place or we're close and we want to sit him. But I feel like if he's playing a full role, mm-hmm. I think Fred's going to want to have a nice night.
0: Okay. And I am going to also go from the Toronto Raptors because we just laid it out. They've been on the road for, and as Michael Grange confirmed rested too, back one home. of the longest road trips. Ever in franchise yeah, so history. Yes, you were
1: pretty smug about that.
0: Well, you were like, there's no way. Sorry,
1: seven games. I didn't realize we were breaking, shattering records they with a seven-game road
0: trip. Shattering records. So the Raptors are back home after being on the West Coast for a while. They've had a day or two to get all acclimated with being home. They have a lot to play for as a team. It could be the idea that this is the last time they're out there on home court. It could just be as simple as that.
1: Hey, we, let's do this one more time and feel good about this. Final last percent. game together. 1000
0: they are playing the Spurs, who you had the record up? What's,
1: 14 and 40 for the San Antonio that's Spurs. That's pretty bad. Uh, uh, kind of like, not that you can really do anything about it, but old Greg Popovich is just like cash and checks now, eh? Yeah. Like, it's not, yeah. you're not a bad earn, spot. You earn the money you're making, clearly, but like, are you having legendary coach impact on a team that's 14 and 40? I know they have no talent on the roster, but still. Like, why, what's the justification in spending that much on a coach if you're 14 and 40?
0: So with that being said, I'm going to go Raptors on the spread. I'm seeing it at 10.5 right now, 10.5-point favorites over the Spurs. Money line is outrageous, minus 560. So the Raptors to win by at least 10.5 points is going to be my selection for the wake and rake.
1: Okay, Freddie leading a comfortable victory for the Raptors over the Spurs will put us in a nice spot.
0: All right, so we do have some submissions to go through. Um, We'll put those together. Maybe we make a... Raptors parlay. I'm not sure, seeing much Raptors in the text line. So, okay. um, let's start off here with our buddy Gary from Calden. Dylan Brooks under was free <laughs> today. I like Stars money line. Gustafson ain't it?
1: Uh, quickly, the Stars are hosting the Minnesota Wild. Minnesota Wild. Wow, with
0: interesting. One thirty-five.
1: I'm seeing Dallas. Uh, Dallas had a little. St- little struggle with the Anaheim Ducks, I think, in the first game back. Mm-hmm. Hard to glean much from those first game back. You don't know what they were doing during the break. Uh, but, you know, stars are fighting for supremacy in the Central Division, so we'll see if they can get it done there. Uh, it's actually a big game. Uh, good morning, Wake and Rakers. I'm not too comfortable with this pick, as I'm a huge Pascal fan and a Raptors fan in general, but the numbers don't lie with Pascal. He's Ooh. gone under his point total in six straight games in 11 of his last 13. I fell into that trap. The under is set at 24 and a half. That's Jeg and Scarborough. I don't think that's a terrible play, especially if we're talking about the motivational element. If he's the one that's around, maybe he defers to old Fred and moves the ball around. Maybe Gary's got a lot of open looks from the three-point
0: arc. Or he goes, "Uh, screw you guys. I am the face of this franchise. Let me go off tonight, and I'm a part of this franchise moving forward. Don't forget it.
1: Where will his legs be? He, we could tell he was running out of gas a little hey, bit on that grueling seven-game road trip. Just nothing grueling. left for Pascal. <laughs> but now home, now dealing with the trade deadline, maybe his legs are still running on West Coast time. I'm not really <laughs> sure. But it, the numbers don't lie. Uh, Jagen Scarborough's right. It's 11 a of his last one. 13 is, is at the under.
0: Oh, boy. Here we go with Neil in Newfoundland. Good morning. Staying with ATP today. Hoosler covered the two and a half games yesterday. Did you get that pick? In? I couldn't find it. Nah, damn it. Taking Berer over Bublik on the money line. Barrera, Barrera yeah, over Bublik so. on the money line. Barrera is coming off a challenging tour title, only dropping one set, and Bublik is on an eight-match losing streak and lacks motivation at the best of times. Whoa.
1: I like how Neil has a little, like, he kind of digs at the personal life. Not personal life, but, like, he kind he of, he's got a little. He's got his it's pulse on the stats, tennis, yeah, okay? It's he doesn't just Google
0: stats. who's winning. He's right in there. TMZ yeah, factor of This guy's, of their like, life. wet his
1: diaper a couple times recently, <laughs> and he's not, he's not going to play good tennis today. I like it.
0: All right. That's a good one. Thanks, Neil.
1: Uh, Eric from Burlington. Good morning. I like the Rangers at home tonight on the puck line. It's downhill from here for Vancouver. Igor shuts the door tonight. Yeah, the Rangers at home. Two forty favorites. The puck line. I'm seeing it plus one hundred. Plus one hundred. So that's an option.
0: I like that. Um, Okay. So we keep going here. We have Cody in St. Catharines. Good morning. For a solid anchor tonight that's off the board, I like Buddy Healed over three and a half threes tonight. It's a plus number, but it won't be for long. He's done it six out of eight games, two out of the last three against Miami, and in the last game against Miami, he hit seven of them. Mm. Ooh, Cody finding some value off the board here. And Sneaky. From,
1: from Cody to Corey from Port Hope, good morning. My wake and rake pick tonight, I'll go Tatum over eight and a half rebounds. That's a familiar one at minus 105. Hit in 10 of the last 12. and his last game versus the 76ers, he had 12. Going to bet it until it doesn't hit.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: Anything stand out to you?
0: Well, I, I kind of feel weird about putting Pascal in this parlay at this point. Because I guess it
1: runs contrary a little bit to what you're expecting. Yeah.
0: I, I, I'm not, I like it, but I'm not putting it in the parlay. That's where I'm going with that. So um, let's pick something different.
1: Did we pick the Tatum over rebounds last time?
0: I don't remember. You like that one, eh? Corey in Port Hope?
1: I like those numbers. I like ten of twelve. There's eleven of thirteen with Pascal, but we don't want to go that route. A little nervous about the first games back for these Rangers. The Rangers did play an emotional game, what, the other night against Calgary, so they're mm. they're definitely settled in.
0: All right, let's I, do then. I don't it have then. a strong
1: read on the Canucks yet. I know like they're, you know, it's not overly positive looking, <laughs> but I don't have a strong read yet. So let's go with Tatum.
0: Okay. Tatum over. Is it? Sorry. I just lost it. Rebounds.
1: Tatum over rebounds. Yeah.
0: Okay. I'll lock that in there and give you. Boston our, Celtics
1: are at home to the 76ers. So big it's game. A nice spot for him. Reason to watch for sure. Okay. And he should be playing. You know, it should be a tightly contested game. Maybe he plays a lot of minutes tonight. Gets his opportunities to pull down boards.
0: Okay. All together then. Um, Raptors on the spread tonight, 10.5 t- point favorites against the Spurs. Freddie over points and rebounds, rebounds which is 26.5. Correct. And Jason Tatum over 8.5 rebounds altogether, plus 6.90 for tonight's Wake and Rake. Okay. Too bad it wasn't 5.90, but we'll take
1: it. We'll take it. Uh, quick note <laughs> on NHL awards. Uh, our buddy Greg Washinsky had a straw poll yesterday at ESPN. Uh, he canvassed those who are actually going to be voting on oh, the I NHL love when they awards. Do it that way. So, a little bit of information. And that's kind of the expected stuff. Of course, Connor McDavid, big leader for the Hart Trophy. But the Norris Trophy and the Calder Trophy have interesting information, at least I think. Eric Carlson, right now, runaway, not runaway favorite, but a sizable favorite to mm. win that award. He scored again last night. Uh, and he, I don't think he is the favorite in the market. I'm pulling it up quickly here. He is the favorite of the market now at plus 175. That might be a reaction to that. Uh, I don't know if I'd jump all over at plus 175 because I think it's still like a pretty competitive race and he might have to make the playoffs unless he scores 100 points. But 100 points seems very, very likely now. So I feel like you're only betting on that. Are you betting on Eric Carlson to hit 100 points? And I feel like he should. And I don't know if there's a great challenger to him. Cale McCarr and Adam Fox are next to plus 400. Mm. Darlene's plus 450. I think he should probably that's the second shortest odds. And that's what the ESPN report did... Uh, have out there. Darlene was second to Carlson, so two Swedes leading in the Norris Trophy. I think Josh Morrissey's fallen off just a little bit, but I think the most interesting thing is in the Calder Trophy where it's like, it feels like there's no decent pick other than Matty Veneers who's dealing with a concussion right now, missed some games. I think he did come back last night. Uh, Either way, if Veneers runs into a wall here, if there's some injury issues, there is a chance that someone can take his spot. The problem is there hasn't been really a great option, but the voters for the award are paying attention to what Owen Power is doing mm-hmm. in Buffalo. Owen Power was not really considered much, uh, like he was overlooked for sure in the odds board, not really considered much of a challenge. His odds are down to plus 1,400. Still, Logan Thompson, Mason McTavish, Cole Provetti have shorter odds than Owen Power right now when those voting on the award are looking at Owen Power and witness, and recognizing that he's having a great season despite the point totals not necessarily being there. So Maddie Beneers is a minus two hundred favorite right now. If he runs into trouble, it looks like the next person up is Owen Power, and it's not being priced like that. So a decent bet right now might be Owen Power at a long number.
0: How's our uh Tage Thompson future looking?
1: Uh on this awards, he's uh on this straw poll, he is um nominated. He's top three. But okay. the problem is the Hart Trophy just runs through McDavid. Like, he's not relinquishing at all. He it's didn't have a great night last night. The Oilers did win and cover the, the puck line last night, but it was on, like, the Warren Fogles of the world getting it done. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily a great McDavid night, but he's on pace for ridiculous point totals. He's probably going to win the Rocket Richard. Tage Thompson might be in Vegas, you know, at the award show. Probably a pretty long shot that he wins. It probably has to take a McDavid injury, unfortunately.
0: All right, well, that's a good look ahead at your Futures cuth bet um, All right, so we are going to talk about our prop sheet, which is ready. Okay, sorry that it was. Is
1: wasn't. it was it? You just got it ready in the last two minutes while I was it's talking just about been NHL work. Tinkered
0: awards? a little bit. Okay, I just wanted it to be perfect. This is going to be. The out. public needs it. Yeah, it's fine. It's Wednesday.
1: It goes out today, right? Yes, you're tweeting today.
0: It will be tweeted within the next four hours. Okay, and the date, the time to close will be noon on Sunday.
1: Noon? You don't yeah. want to give right up to the kickoff?
0: What do you want? Four? I don't. I Noon. I like noon. Okay.
1: okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, just.
0: Noon is just easy. Noon. But what, Shut down at noon. Okay. okay. By then you'll be drinking, and I don't. I just don't want to be looking at. Just
1: you might scramble in the last 30 minutes to do it, and I want to give our listeners I'm a full opportunity week, to do it.
0: A lot of time. Okay. Noon is the way to do it. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So obviously there's going to be a. Just a a collection of questions to go through here. There's going to be the classics, you know, winner, spread, over, under, total points, coin flip, Mm -hmm. all the generic ones. Then we're going to get a little funky and we're going to have, you know, player versus player props. Who's going to get more of that? Who's going to get less of this? Whatever. Then there's going to be a whole section on performance, Rihanna and Co., then there's obviously. Now, can we stop
1: for a second yeah, on yeah, Rihanna? Yeah, 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 because I didn't really know this about you, but you are the foremost Rihanna expert. Okay, that's we inaccurate. accurate. We had a little time yesterday after our show before a uh, pre tape that will run tomorrow with Matt Castle. Tune in tomorrow to that's check that right. out. That's right. You essentially went through the entire discography and sang your heart out. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize you were that big oh, of a I know Rihanna a lot fan. Of Rihanna so songs. I feel like we should be going to you for insight on what she'll be thinking. First song. Last song. Who might be joining her on stage? Do you have any insider information on Rihanna? <laughs> no Any insider. insight you can give on what she might be thinking, given that you two seem to be on the same page, based on what I saw yesterday?
0: Okay, I uh, didn't realize how many Rihanna songs that I knew and actually liked. Um, but I went through her discography yesterday as we were sitting in the studio, and she's got some bangers. Okay, uh, the great thing about Rihanna, she spanned generations. Like I remember old Rihanna.
1: She remembers LeBron James first inning. Oh, Cleveland. she sure
0: does. Um, and then she's actually—I would say—her recent stuff has actually fallen off. So I'm hoping she plays some old stuff. Anyway, nonetheless, I went through all of Rihanna's songs. Um, I remember the "Good Girl Gone Bad." era of Rihanna, she's right. got the Loud album, she's got, um, remember, I, I sung this one for you, A Girl Like Me, Music of the Sun, like, she's got some old <laughs> I stuff. sung this one yeah. for you. Yes, you sung them all for me. Yeah, well, anyway, so she's she's been, she's gone through it all. I just wonder if she's going to go the nostalgic route or the Super Bowl bangers route, and I think she'll do both. So, um, there's a lot of odds on first song, guest appearances, and so, I would say, my bet for first song is Diamonds. Okay, I just think it, it's a, it's a good kickoff song. But all right, okay. we're starting this the show off hot. Diamonds is a good one. Um, Umbrella also, I don't think she starts with anything slow. Bef- between me, it's Diamonds and Umbrella, which I think are like plus five or six hundred.
1: The only thing that makes the most sense to me is Please Don't Stop the Music would be the last song. Because like, yeah, you're stopping the music, but it's more of a message. Like the music will carry through okay. and carry on, right? This isn't
0: a novel
1: what do you mean it's not a novel it's like a narrative all right it's yeah. a narrative play please don't stop the music is going to be the last song at least in my eyes
0: wow okay i'm,
1: I'm a little bit more interested in who joins her right because we just okay. had
0: what, wait one other for opening song okay. this is what you came for
1: i don't even know that one
0: that's what it's okay okay never mind um yeah, what so are the
1: so Do we have the shortest odds there? Okay,
0: I I don't have it all up in front of me,
1: sorry. The incomplete prop sheet.
0: Um, I'm not putting the odds on each song. I'm just letting you choose a song. I'm not the book. Right, 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 right. right. Um, But yes, who will join her is actually a real consideration here. She's got a lot of features in her songs, um, including individuals such as Jay-Z, Eminem, uh, Calvin Harris, I don't know
1: Drake. ASAP Rocky? Drake is a very interesting Who is interesting the father one. of her child? Are they married? I don't know.
0: No, they're not married, but they have a child together. So, ASAP Rocky is definitely one that people are, are thinking could be making an appearance.
1: I think the Drake one is fascinating because don't they, like... Drake had like, a thing
0: for her and he's been in love with her and then yeah, declined that
1: he's
2: in love with I her. I feel but.
1: like there was a thing where she kind of, like, put him in his place. I don't know if there was some drama, if things were supposed to be working out, didn't for whatever reason... Uh, but I would kind of be surprised, especially if ASAP Rocky is there and performing, that Drake would also be performing. However, the odds are pretty short on Drake performing with her on stage. My best bet oh, curious. is Jay-Z. That's the one I think you can yeah. count on.
0: He was the president CEO of the label that she signed when she was a teenager. Like she make, discovered her, right? Yeah, like making her career. Um, they have some big songs like Run This Town. Um, Umbrella? Umbrella, like... He's, if anyone's coming on the stage, it's Jay-Z. He's we all, need two-way markets for that. He's often flirted with support uh, performing at the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm surprised,
1: think, actually, he hasn't.
0: And so if there's going to be someone, I could see Jay-Z strolling on stage with now, Rihanna. Now,
1: M- Eminem was on stage last year. Yeah, there's no Eminem. So M- I don't expect, no. you don't go back-to-back back at the Super Bowl, no.
0: right? no.
1: And then uh, me, no, no other crossover, right? So if Jay-Z hasn't done it, you could probably expect him to be there.
0: Yep, I would go with that. There's always the guess of over-under amount of songs. It's set at nine and a half. Is it she going to rip through like a bunch? Is nine gonna... and a half? Yeah. That's a lot. That's It's usually a 12 to 15 but as minute we show. know,
1: based on your performance yesterday in the studio, that can, she does have lots. a lot of songs.
0: You can guess um, if there'll be a wardrobe malfunction. Yeah. Wouldn't be the first time. Um, you can also... Predict the color of her clothing and how many wardrobe changes she'll make during mm-hmm. said show. There's a lot to choose from. It will be very fun, and I can't wait to share that with you all.
1: Over under like amount of risky risque songs. She's got some risque songs.
0: If that's a couple that are a little. No, I I can't I can't qualify if something's risque or not. You can't. Well, like what one song says a swear word is that risque? No, there
1: are songs that are
0: there's yeah there's pretty graphic. Yeah, I don't think she's going to be pulling all I don't those think so many. either. Um, and then we're going to have, um, obviously, some prop bets on the most important things, such as the puppy bowl.
1: Oh, there's a puppy bowl in there. Yep. When is the puppy bowl? That's why it needs to be noon, because the puppy bowl is before?
0: It's not That's at noon. That's why. Um, When's the puppy it's bowl team then? fluff and team rough.
1: When is the puppy bowl?
0: Before the game. It's noon. It's not at noon. It's at 1 p.m. <laughs>
1: So, so that's that's you why you got to get, you get the your thing bowl. in before the Puppy Bowl. It's not about beating the Super Bowl. It's making sure Puppy Bowl.
0: All right, well, there's Team rough and there's Team Fluff, and I... Which team are you on? We'll let you know on Friday. I'm We're going to do some research. Me fluff. As someone that's about to have a dog, I need to really analyze yeah. the lineups between these two and let you know my pick for the Puppy Bowl. But all this is to come this week. Tomorrow is the NBA trade deadline. Hopefully, we have some stuff to break down for you in the morning, but we will have Raptors and Spurs back at home tonight, their first time in quite a while. Break that down on Baby Friday. Tee up two days from then three days from then, the Super Bowl. Um, It's a great day. Appreciate it, everyone, for listening, for sending in your LeBron takes. That will never die. It'll be LeBron talk forever. We'll be back tomorrow morning on the Fan Morning Show on Baby Friday. Everybody have a great day.